You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beard. Let's get to it, New York. Let's begin with Game 3. The Knicks take their town to South Beach as they get ready to square up with the Miami Heat for a crucial Game 3 on the road. The Knicks and Heat split the first two games of the series, with New York winning a crucial Game 2 after dropping Game 1. All the attention in Game 3 will be on Heat superstar Jimmy Butler, who is recovering from an ankle injury he suffered in Game 1. Butler was unable to take the court in Game 2, and uh, the Knicks, excuse me, the Heat, despite winning, leading most of the game in Game 2, were unable to close the game without their star and Jimmy Butler. So they lost game two, obviously Knicks evening up the series videos posted by Chris Brickley showing Jimmy Butler getting shots up um, at the, the Miami heat arena. So it looks like he's ramping up to play for game three, though the team did not give up a, give us a status update when they had practice and shoot around on Thursday. So meanwhile, for the Knicks again, try and take back home court advantage dropping game one. Uh, they won game two with a big scoring night from their big three. You had Brunson, Randall, and Barrett combined for 79 points in the Knicks 108-101 victory on Tuesday. So I'll start with the Butler stuff with this because this has become the biggest story of this series. We've heard, again, no updates. We did see him getting shots up. But Jimmy has been kind of weird with social media. He seems to be kind of using it almost as like a ploy to kind of make people think he's playing. And then he didn't play in game two. So here, again, on social media, working out. But does that mean he'll actually play? What do you think will happen? I know Julius Randle said that he expects Drew, uh, Butler to play when he talked to the media yesterday, and that's how the Knicks are going to be preparing. Tip said he's preparing for both if Butler doesn't play or if he does. Do you think Butler will play? And if he does, how effective do you think he'll be? Yeah, I'd be really surprised if Butler did not play. Um, you know, everything's kind of been trending in that direction basically since Monday, um, you know, early in the week, right after the the initial injury. Um, you know, the, the, as you mentioned, the social media videos of him kind of sipping lattes, skipping around Manhattan. Um, and, uh, you know, spoke kind of hinted at it, basically said we ran out of time kind of in the ramp up to, uh, game two, um, you know, kind of intimating that had it, you know, the game been one day later or, you know, even a few hours later or something like that, maybe would have got medical clearance. But, um, I think it was their plan all along to give him that, that day off and have him, you know, in order to be ready for game three and potentially the rest of the series. Um, and everything we've seen and heard since then kind of confirmed that suspicion. Um, you mentioned the, the Brickley videos, you know, he's shooting 30 from 30 feet, you know, no brace, yeah. you know, just, you know, see, looks fluid, um, looks to be moving around well. So, 
certainly had the look of a player um, that's ready to play. And, you know, Jimmy's mentality is to, if there's a, you know, if it's up to him, he's going to play. I'm sure the doctors probably had to put him in handcuffs to, to not allow him to play in game two. So, yeah, I definitely yeah. expect him to play. Um, how effective it will be, that's that's kind of the question. Um, I, don't, I don't think we can take it for granted that he's going to be um, the full playoff Jimmy that we've seen. Um, and something also to keep in mind because it impacts both the Knicks and the Heat. Uh, we obviously have the long break from game two to game three. Um, you know, the Celtics played two games in between the, this, the, you know, the, the, the other East Coast series played two games, yeah. um, the Sixers Celtics in between the, the, the Knicks, uh, you know, playing games uh, two and three. Um, however, Knicks play Saturday afternoon, the Knicks heat Saturday afternoon, then Monday, then Wednesday. So it's just one day off going forward here. Yeah. Um, does Butler tweak an ankle? Does, Brunson soreness kind of act up on him. Does Randall retweak his other ankle? You know, so there's just a lot of stuff there. They've they, both teams have had the luxury of a, of a few days off. That is no longer a luxury going forward um, after Game Three. So we'll see how it uh, impacts both squads. Yeah, I think that's a good point regarding the long layoff they have right now and how that could will then change as the series moves on with those short days. So I think that's why the Heat wanted to take advantage of this time. You know, what you didn't want is Butler to play maybe in game two. He comes off feeling terrible or he re-aggravates the injury. And then, you know, he tries to rest up, but maybe he's not ready for game three. And now you only got one day between the rest of these games to try to get him right. So um, he gets hurt on Saturday. You give him the whole weekend up until the next week off until he can finally get out there and play. And now you hope that, okay, he maybe is beyond this ankle injury. It seems like he may have avoided something very serious. It looked very bad when it happened. So I think he'll play. Butler's a very interesting player. And we had Alex Donald on yesterday. Um, He was awesome on Red Hot uh, Hoops podcast. Like, he mentioned how Butler played through that knee injury in the Celtics series. I actually forgot about, but he's 100% right. Butler had an injury that people thought that he was, like, maybe not going to finish the series. Or if he was, he was going to be very limited. And then he had that ridiculous game six in Boston where, you know, he kind of uh, channeled LeBron's game six uh, from years ago and, and and moved that series back to Miami. And then had a really good game seven, just missed the you know, open three that would have sent him to the NBA finals. Maybe would have won him a championship eventually. Like he's a guy that can play through injury. And he's a guy, I think also because of like the way he plays, I think he can kind of get around the court and know what he has to do to still be effective, even if he is kind of hobbled a little bit. So, you know, I, I have been for a while, the last few episodes, talking about how, man, if Butler's hobbled, I think the Knicks have a great chance. But when I started thinking about that and I started thinking about how Jimmy Butler plays, now I'm a little more concerned. I, I feel like he'll be fine. I think that he'll be able to still be really effective uh, despite this ankle injury because he's not a John Morant where he's trying to jump over guys and he's going to be using his speed. He's not – um, you know, some of these other really athletic, uber athletic players, a Zion Williamson, someone like that. He's a guy that plays mostly above the rim. He uses a lot of his angles, uses a lot of his strength. And when you're playing on an ankle injury, I think that a lot of things you have to do, you have to be very uh, deliberate. You have to be very um, intentional with your movements. It can't be anything extra movement, anything extra, uh, uh, you know, to try to maybe get yourself out of uh, balance that can maybe hurt yourself. He seems to be like the perfect player if I needed somebody to play through an ankle injury, to like still be effective. So, um, Butler, I think, could still be a, a handful for the Knicks on a, on a Saturday. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, the reality is 80% of playoff Jimmy is better than like 99% of of anybody else you're going to get out there just in terms of heart. Um, you know, just the, the way he motivates his troops. Um, and then, you know, in the clutch, he's not afraid to take the big shot. He's made a ton of big shots. Um, and we saw in game two, the kind of the other guys on, on the heat did their job for the first 43 minutes of the contest. Yeah. Um, that final five minutes is when Brunson and Hart and those guys made big plays and the heat didn't have anybody to respond. Um, that's when hero would have taken shots. That's when Jimmy Butler would have taken those big buckets. Um, and obviously they didn't have that. So um, yeah, listen, I, if, 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 I, I, you have to assume the, the, the Knicks are fully preparing him for, for him to be there. Um, they're going to have to adjust accordingly. I guess the one thing we could see, it it, it will be interesting to see if um, Butler starts off on Brunson the way he did game one. Yeah. You know, they, they try to hide him a little bit defensively and not kind of have him the herky-jerky Brunson, you know, you know, test his ankle. Um, but make no mistake, whoever he's guarding, whether it's RJ, get RJ in some, some high pick and roll, get him going downhill. Um, if he is guarding Brunson, make him, you know, ISO top of the key and, and make him move those ankles, yeah. make him move laterally, laterally, um, you know, really test him out, make sure he's good to go, assuming he is. Um, but that's something that uh, you, you want to find out early because if it's an issue, um, it's something you want to keep attacking. Yeah. I mean, the Knicks were, were rightfully so destroyed essentially for not going at him in game one after he had the ankle injury when he was clearly not himself and not uh, going to be an effective individual defensive player. And the Knicks ran almost no plays through him down the stretch and they lost that game in game one. You would think that they would have to try to test him early. I actually wonder when I was thinking of make a good point about hiding Jimmy, potentially I'm thinking maybe they put him on heart. Like hearts, the guy that's been looked at as clearly a guy they're willing to shoot a guy that they're willing to, roam off of and if you're a guy who's maybe 100 maybe that's the kind of role you want jimmy in maybe not necessarily having to uh guard a guy one-on-one who's going to be trying to attack maybe guard a guy who's kind of seen as an outlet so hart could end up being the guy that he gets put on because rj has been very aggressive in the series i, I mean i think that it, i don't know if he really could hide him on rj like with the way rj's been playing right now so uh hart might be the guy that that he he, he ends up checking which in a way, maybe be good for the Knicks because now you don't have to worry about cross matchups. Like Hart, that's the guy he's guarding. That's his man. So you don't have to worry about guys getting lost in transition. How many plays did we see in game one where Jimmy Butler was leaking out on those long outlet passes yes. uh, where he's guarding Brunson? Brunson misses a shot and they're throwing him out and because you know they don't have the right matchups. So if he does guard Hart, that A, the Butler, who's an excellent defender, if he's guarding a guy who's your maybe your, one of your worst offensive players on the team, that helps you. But I think also even from the Knicks standpoint, from how they want to match up defensively, that also may help them as well. Um, when we talk about – I want to ask you a question about the Knicks in terms of how they win this game from a, a little bit of a different perspective than maybe we've had, at least in the Cleveland series. The Knicks played two games. I don't think they played great really in either of those two games that they played for sure. So I want to ask you – what didn't happen in the first two games that you think needs to happen in game three for the Knicks to win? 
Um, well, I think the, the first and foremost is just making shots. Um, you know, we kind of saw that it's sometimes it's just that simple. Um, yeah. Barrett, Brunson, Randall, and Hart were combined 16 to 32 from three point territory in game two. Um, those four guys were combined one of 16 from deep in game one. Obviously, Randall didn't play, um, right. but the you know, factoring in you know, no Randall and then having Randall, um, so that's a big factor. I would say, um, the thing they need to do a better job. Um, and I would say closing out on shooters, limiting Miami three-point attempts. I don't know if that's as big an issue with Butler on the floor um, because right. his usage rate is going to go up. And they'll, you know, obviously you still want to prevent those guys from shooting threes, but um, that doesn't have to be the kind of the sole focus of your defense. They have to worry about the double Jimmy, the shade towards him a little bit. Um, I think one of the key things for the Knicks going forward um, is one to get Grimes on the floor more um, something they probably didn't do yeah. enough of and certainly didn't do enough of in game one. Then we saw game two, you know, down the stretch um, Grimes was a big part. But the other thing is they have to figure out how to hide, how to do a better job of hiding Brunson defensively um, because he was toasted um, consistently um, on the defensive end by Miami. So the Knicks have to kind of figure out ways to prevent that from probably continuing going forward. Yeah, it felt it felt to me like staying on the Brunson point that the Knicks defensive principles it felt like the Heat figured them out very quickly. It felt like to me, and that's why they were able to expose the Knicks and get too many wide open threes and and, and open baskets. They were getting a lot of layups in Game One, and in Game Two they're getting all these threes. The Knicks are going to have to be more fluid with how they guard pick and roll coverages and how they cover screens. Um, you know, I, what, I, was, I, yeah. I meant to mention this on the other pod after game one and after game two, I'm surprised um, Tibbs hasn't made a bigger stink in the media when talking to reporters about the illegal screens that Miami yes. setting. Cause we do see that sometimes, you know, and it you, complaining during games never really makes a big difference, but sometimes when you make a big point of it and harp on it in post game and after practice sessions that can kind of get in the referees and have them notice yeah. it and have them focus on it. Um, so I'm surprised he hasn't done that. We'll see if they do it soon. Um, you know, again, not that it's going to turn the tide in the series right. but to your point. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it would impact. Yeah, because they, they're, they're, they're not covering these screen plays at all, whether they're off the ball, whether they're on the ball. And you're right. I mean, the Heat set so many illegal screens, it's ridiculous. Now, it's one of those things where it's like holding in the NFL. Yes. Like, could you call on every play, I guess? Yeah. But, yes. like, considering how effective they are, when so many of them are illegal, the Knicks got to do something to make a point about how, hey, they're – I mean, I, I you know, Caleb Martin does this thing where he, like, leans and, like, puts his, like, his butt out which is clearly illegal. You're not allowed to do that. Um, Bam does the same thing, especially when he's holding the ball. He'll do that. When the guys are coming around him, he'll go and stick his butt. Like, these are clear illegal screens. They move. They It's it's, it's ridiculous. And they kind of remind me of, honestly, they kind of remind me of the Celtics during the Ray Allen, Ray Allen era. Like, KG would just set Every him and that, Big yeah. Baby would just set, like, illegal screens all game, you know. And he get away with it. Like, the Knicks guy do. And it's interesting because Josh Hart, tries to like emphasize because he tries to go through them, tries to go around them, but they keep calling the files on harp. Yes. So so they tell you that's not working either. So I'm surprised Brunson hasn't done more of his kind of flopping off the off the screen. I I would I expect him to do that a couple times in game three. Yeah, because he's just dying. And he's not the only one, but he's been the one that's the worst that's been obvious where he's just dying on these screens and guys are getting open look. So the Knicks are gonna have to do a way better job on their screen coverages on the ball that the bigs are dropping too far in the paint. Um Gabe Vincent did not really shoot that well against the Knicks during the regular season, but he's shooting the ball well now. So I, I don't know if you should be dropping 
behind the three-point line when he's coming off a pick and roll. He's guy looking the fire, and he's making some shots now. Um, on again, in these off-ball actions, they don't switch enough. Like, there's no reason unless you have Bam in the action that you can't switch some of these screens. And then sometimes it seems like these guys are trying to switch, but then the communication isn't right. Like that, they they got to figure that out. Like that that has to be figured out. The Heat do a lot of movement off the ball. A lot of their stuff is this kind of. It's not random action, but to someone who maybe doesn't follow the game, it looks like random action where guys are just running around because they have Struess and Duncan Robinson, guys who can't really be off the dribble. So the only way to get these guys active is to move them around. So, like, the Knicks got to be much more tighter on their on their screen coverages. The other thing as well, and so something we keep talking about, but I think it's got to be said again, unless maybe I just got to lower my expectations for this player. Like, it may quickly just has to he, – he's got to wake up from whatever he's dealing with. Like, he, he the fourth quarter of, of, uh, of game two – he had two big buckets in a row to tie the game. Knicks were down four. Looked a little more like IQ. Hit a little floater. Hit a little jumper. Ironically, at halftime, I was at the arena for the game. Like he was working on that exact floater and that exact shot that he hit. So it's kind of ironic to see him then score on those two plays. But like, I mean, when he is playing the way he played in the regular season, the second half particularly, like the Knicks become a, a just a different dynamic team offensively. If when he's the guy he's been for most of these playoffs, the Knicks, I think, are very ordinary on offense. And this is not an ordinary defensive team they're playing against. Like, you're going to need to be extraordinary to beat this team. And six points from IQ, you know, I don't know how much he had in game one, but it was not enough. Like, those kind of performances, they can't have. He's got to be in double digits for the rest of the series. And if he's going to continue to not be aggressive or not look for a shot, then they got to look elsewhere. Like we talked about with RJ Barrett, and we talked about, oh, should they sit him? Should he lose his minutes? And then RJ responded quickly. You no, know, his minutes haven't been the way they were in the regular season. But if he's not giving you anything, I mean, the Knicks could use as many defenders on the floor as they can. You can throw out there Deuce McBride to chase Duncan Robinson or chase Max Struess to maybe give, uh, you know, to maybe give Jalen Brunson some rest or maybe sit, um, um, you know, even IQ at times. Like, they, he needs to step up. This, 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 this. What he's doing in this postseason is is far below his regular season standard. Especially with Brunson hobbled, you know, clearly yeah. less than one hundred percent. You know, this way, if if IQ is playing well, you can buy Brunson a little more extra extra rest in the first half, in the third quarter, um, so he's a little bit fresher down the stretch. Um, but yeah, I, I do think um, IQ is going to is due for another breakout game. Um, you know, we we had one in the Cleveland series. I think he's going to get one Saturday. Um, again, I think uh, that that'll be a focal point of the the Knicks offense moving forward. Um, and Hart, to his credit, Josh Hart did a good job talking about how I need to do a better job of getting quickly um, some good looks. You know, I want to be aggressive. I want to attack the basket, you know, break in transition, delayed transition. But I also need this. I noticed when watching tape. Um, Hart said that I that I missed IQ on on a couple kickouts that he could have uh, been open for three pointers. So um, that's something I I think we I, I expect a, a nice little bounce back game from IQ in in uh, game three. Um, question for you: uh, the Grimes yeah. versus Hart starting situation. Where do you where do you land there? Do you think stick with Hart or put Grimes back in the starting? Yeah, I mean I think for now it's so it's so tough. I think I think I'll give Hart another game. But I think this will be – I'm very curious what the Heat will do in terms of how they defend the Knicks in this next game because they played a ton of zone in game two, which is absolutely part of their defensive strategy. Like, they play a lot of zone during the regular season. They really didn't play a lot of zone in game one, um, which I guess was – unless I watched game two, it was actually a little surprising. Like, oh, wow, they really didn't go to zone very much, especially since how poorly the Knicks have been shooting. 
I think Sposa saw how bad they were in game one. It's okay, but we really got to put the zone on them and see what happens. And the zone was very effective for three quarters. Um, if they're going to – I want to see how the Knicks do against the zone in game three. And maybe maybe this is one of those things, maybe you make adjustment too late. But I, I think I want to see – because if the if Josh Hart started shooting the ball well in the fourth quarter, Knicks started making shots in, in the fourth quarter, I kind of wonder if they can take that good shooting into this game. You know, if that's not the case – then I think maybe in game four, you make the adjustment and say, okay, we got to have a shooter out there earlier in the game so that they can't get into a rhythm in that zone and we can get a guy who we know can knock out. So I would keep Hart in there. I also think I want Hart in there to start on Butler to start this game, this game particularly. Like, I think I'm not married to him starting the rest of the series, but I think him coming off an injury, I want him seeing Josh Hart as soon as he steps on that floor and him to be in his chest pretty much for the entire game. Like, I think that kind of sends a kind of a statement. I think maybe if Butler goes out there, he starts game one, game three, thinking about his ankle, and he sees Quentin Grimes coming to the starting line, I think he kind of exiles a little bit. Say, okay, like, good defender, but a guy's a little smaller. A guy I know I have the strength advantage over, like, you know, younger player. I think, you know, he sees Josh Hart coming there, standing right next to him at that, in that outside that circle during the tip-off. I think it's a different atmosphere. I think he knows, okay, it's game time. And I want him to think, yes, this is going to be, a fist fight for the rest of this series. So I, that's, that's one of the main reasons I also think I would stick with Josh Hart. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the fence as well. I think I'd probably actually lean towards Grimes. Cause if you're not mm. committed to starting Hart for the rest of the series, for the rest of the postseason, uh, maybe get back to, you know, kind of what was working well at the end of the regular season, um, or what worked well at the start of the, the Cleveland series. Obviously, Hart excelled as a starter, um, you know, later in that series as well. So can't go wrong. You know, I don't think it makes a big impact one way or the other in terms because they're both going to, you know, you know, Hart's going to be on the closing five. Um, you know, Grimes is going to get his minutes. Um, but I just think the, the, the offense that I saw in the second half of the fourth quarter um, in game two, yeah. I thought was really encouraging. Um, and I thought that spacing that Grimes provides uh, by dragging that that extra help defender, weak side, strong side, um, away from the middle of the floor really benefited uh, Brunson, kind of, you know, kind of unlocked him a little bit um, and, and yeah. got everybody else kind of flowing and into the groove. So yeah, we'll see how that plays out, um, you know, going forward. I don't think it's a, a major point, but I do think it's probably something Tibbs has gone back and forth with. So I'll be interested to see what he decides. And one thing about Grimes, too, which we saw in that fourth quarter, is he's also a really good transition player. He had a huge bucket uh, in transition to and one yes. on, a, on a breakaway layup. A like beautiful, he, he's able, On a beautiful pass by Hardenstein. Beautiful pass by Hardenstein. Like like that, like he has, he has that element, too. So yep. um, it's definitely not going to be an easy decision. Knowing Tibbs, I, I think there's no chance he adjusts. He makes a pre-adjustment before something bad happens. You know him, he's going to just ride something until it looks like it's completely dead. Then he's going to try to make the adjustment super late. So I would expect that hard starts. But, yeah, the Grimes question is an interesting question. Like, I, I told you at the game one, I think I would start him in game two. So, um, but then Jimmy didn't play. Nick's won a game. So that now, I think I would give Hart one more and see how this goes. Like, especially given this is Paul's first game back. Um, do you think this is a must-win game for the Knicks here? Like, like, do you think they have to win game three? Uh, I wouldn't call it a must-win because I do think there is a path to winning the series, even if they lose Saturday. Um, obviously more difficult, obviously more challenging, yeah. more likely. Um, but I do think I, I, they. I think that obviously they have to split. They have to. They have to get one of these two games in South Beach. So whether that's Monday night or Saturday afternoon. Um, 
I would still I would still feel confident that they could steal one, even if they lose Saturday, they could steal game four. Um, obviously, you like to get game three, have it in your pocket, and then you know get greedy and get game four and really try to put a hammer lock on the series. Um, but yeah, I don't think I would I would classify it as as a must win. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a must win. I think when you know we look at that last series that he did win, um, you know game three they kind of were they won comfortably over Milwaukee, you know, and then game four. They were, you know, they were down most of that game. Like I think sometimes game three for that home team coming back that haven't gotten the split, that's a that's a very tough game to get. I think that that team usually has a lot of emotion. Uh, we saw with the Knicks in, in game three when that when uh when yep. uh, Cleveland yep. came to the Garden. Yep. I mean, Cleveland lost that game as soon as they entered the arena. That's how uh, hot the Garden was. That's how uh, locked in the Knicks were as a team. Like it, it's very hard to then go in and, and get that game. And then you usually see game four again. Cleveland had a much better game four. They competed in the fourth quarter and they weren't able to finish. The Bucks were kind of blowing out the heat, <laughs> so inexplicably uh, blew that game. Jimmy Butler goes crazy and then they lose. So game four maybe the game to really circle for the Knicks, saying, "Hey, this is the game that's going to be our most advantageous to get here." Now it doesn't mean you come into game three saying, "Oh, we're going to lose," but just understand that you're going to get Robbie get hit with a tsunami in game three. Jimmy Butler's coming back, a lot of emotion. Yeah. A lot of, you know, what that's going to do for the other players, seeing him on the court, that's probably going to lift their energy, lift their confidence a little bit as well. So this is going to be a tough game to get. I don't think the Knicks can't get it. Like, I think, you know, Josh Hart spoke about it because someone, one of the media members asked him, you know, why are they so much better at home, or on the road rather than at home? He said, one, less distractions, but, you know, two, like, you know, we're able to, one with less distractions, we're able to lock in, but two, the Knicks fans are everywhere. And in many ways, sometimes it feels like a home game playing in these arenas. I think that was also smart, smart comments by Josh Hart. And maybe he's at his first time in the playoffs, understanding you got to play the media game, telling those Knicks fans in South Beach, hey, one of the things that has helped us during this season has been the Knicks presence at these other arenas. Knicks have fans everywhere, but we know their biggest presence is in Florida. So I thought that Hart was not just kind of talking off the cuff. I think that he was kind of sending a message to MSG South saying, hey, you got to just show up in a big way on Saturday. So I think, you know, the Knicks being such a good road team, the Knicks being able to, um, it seemed like he, I agree with him. They, they seem to focus and just play with a lot more poise on the road than they even do at home. I think the Knicks will play pretty well. I don't know if they win this game because, again, I think a lot of the things are going against them. But I don't think that this is a game where I expect the Knicks to get blown out. I, I think that the rest of this series, we probably won't see too many blowouts. I thought game one would probably be close in the fourth quarter. I thought game two would probably, even though that Butler wasn't around, I thought it would be close in the fourth quarter. I think game three will be tight. Yeah. Five minutes left in the fourth quarter. I think game four will be tight. You know, this is what we expect from the series. The series is a rock fight, you know. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, a grudge match and there'll be a lot of physicality and especially with the only one days, you know, it seems like, you know, walking off the floor after game two guys were holding their back and their hip and, yeah. um, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of physical play. Um, you know, this isn't the Warriors and Lakers running up and down and shooting threes. Um, this is a different type of a different brand of basketball. Um, and there are competitors and dogs on both sides. So it'll be, uh, it should be fun to watch. But yeah, I expect a, a tight, close game. You know, there'll be uh, ups and downs and, 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 you know, some big leads maybe here or there. But, uh, you know, by the time we arrive at crunch time, I expect it to be, uh, you know, a, a one possession game. Yeah, Knicks, Heat, big one. 
Game three, you catch that. Uh, that's going to be on Saturday, 3.30 on ABC. That's an ABC afternoon tilt. So make sure you guys are got your DVRs ready. Or make sure you got your schedule ready. You know, sometimes these games, these weird times now can be a little tricky. So that's going to be in now networks. Finding which networks they're going to be on a little tricky as well. Like I thought last night's game was going to be on TNT. You know, it's on ESPN. I don't know. You know Warriors and Lakers played last night. So uh, ABC, 3 p.m., 3.30 uh, Eastern um, in Miami. 